Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. One of the most important skills that a couple can learn is how to have conversations that are difficult in a way that's productive and helpful and creates closure so you can actually find a resolution to the problem. Now, many couples can have a a, a relatively easy time talking about the surface level things. However, those types of conversations don't bond you together. It's the deeper level things that do, and mastering your ability to do so is absolutely critical, especially when you're in a relationship wanting to repair the damage of pornography use and the trauma that it creates. Having these conversations is number one, vital. Number two, it's the only way to heal and move forward in a way that helps you find closure. And so today I wanna share with you three specific things that you can do to help you guys not only have these conversations, but do so productively and in a way that actually feels good. I remember working with a couple, this is this has happened more times than I can count, a husband has a hard time having these conversations. And understandably so, I think that so many husbands feel a lot of guilt and shame because of the decisions that they've made, and it's hard. So having these conversations where his wife is in pain is not an easy thing to do because it brings up that shame and it hurts. And it's difficult for her because she's in the pain and that hurts. And so both people struggle and they often lead to these fights. So I remember working with a couple one time where the husband was avoiding these difficult conversations and it caused his wife so much pain because she felt like she was not important to him. And the less she felt important to him, the more she kept bringing up the past because she wanted to work through these things in a way that helped her to feel better. But every time she did, he basically just put a lid on the conversation and avoided it or stonewalled or got defensive and reactive or said, why are you you bringing this up again? I thought we already talked about this. He had these responses that ultimately distanced or disconnected them even further. And so it's really important to recognize that the purpose of these conversations is to find closure and whenever the lid goes on and the the pain is not discussed, then there is no healing that happens. So when we had a session together, I I was curious, anytime some, you know, my whole thing when I'm working with couples or individuals is to understand where is the breakdown and why is it happening? Because depending on what the breakdown is, there's a set of tools. It's like a flow chart, right? If this, then this. If this problem comes up and these are the reasons why, then here are a handful of different approaches and tools that you can implement to resolve that problem. And so my first step is understanding, okay, what's driving this? So when I have a conversation with the husband, there's no shame, like I'm I'm not shaming him at all. I, I get curious because no amount of me or anybody saying, hey, you gotta do this differently, you gotta do this better, stop doing this, start doing this. That doesn't really help because it's usually not a lack of information in terms of what needs to happen, it's the how. And so when I asked them these questions, I I said, so help me understand, when she brings up the the past, when she starts to talk about her pain, what goes on inside of you? How do you take that? What's the reaction that you have? Just so I can better understand where does this go? And so he said, he explained to me all of what happened and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the framework that I'm gonna share with you. But essentially it felt uncomfortable, it brought up the shame and it was painful and In his mind, every time they had these conversations together, it never went well. They always ended up in a fight. 
and he just didn't know how to have this talk, how to have this talk in a different way. And so he just thought, I, I, the last thing that I want to do is fight. So I'm going to avoid this conversation, which unintentionally caused more fights. So it's this catch 22 that he was in. And so I said, okay, that all makes sense. Now, if you had a more productive way of having this conversation with her, where you could actually find closure, would you be open to that? And he's like, of course, like, I don't want her in pain. I never want to fight with her. And it seems like every time we do talk about this, that's how it ends. So I, that's why I've, I avoid this. And so when he shared that he wanted to have these conversations, but do it in a way that felt better, that's all we need, right? If there's a willingness that's there, all we need now is the tools. It's it, the open door is the willingness. And so here's what we did. And these are the three things that I want to go over with you guys today. There's, there's more than three, but there's three that I want to highlight. So the, the first three things, the most important things that we focused on was number one, identify the roots of what got in the way of these conversations. Because again, if the desire was there and there's just a breakdown that gets in the way, the key is to understand what is that thing. And there's a handful of different things that come up, which we can talk about today as we go. But that's the first order of business. What's getting in the way? Number two, for this particular husband, he needed to do some shame work. And again, I'll get deeper into that as we go. And then number three, it was about him getting the tools to know how to comfort her, how to support her, how to reassure her in a different way than he had been doing because what he had been doing just wasn't working. And I feel like there's really common stumbling blocks that many husbands get stuck in just because they don't know what else to do. And so that's why I want to share with you guys today some specific things that you can implement today because the pain doesn't go away. And for so many women, even if they're not discussing the pain, even if they're not actively bringing this up and having conversations, so many women, especially in the early stages of this, they're always thinking about it. I think so often husbands, this is a little side tangent, but I think so many husbands, they don't want to bring up these conversations. Yet him initiating these conversations is one of the most important things that he can do to actually help relieve her pain. I think there's a misunderstanding where the husband thinks, if I bring this up, it's going to cause her pain. If I bring this up, we're having a good day. It's going to deflate the mood and, you know, she's not going to be, you know, she's going to be upset and sad again. And I don't want that. So I'm not going to bring it up. It's really important, husbands. I hope that you can hear this. It's so important to recognize that even if she's not talking about it, she's always thinking about it, especially in these early stages. She's always thinking about it. It's always in the back of her mind. So even in the good moments, I remember working with a couple who were having a great day. They were out golfing together. I guess that's what they like to do together. So they're out golfing and the husband turns to her and says, I'm just having such a great day with you. And instantly she burst out into tears. And he's thinking like, what just happened? We're out here having a great day. I turn to her and tell her, I'm really enjoying our time together. And she breaks into tears. So then he shuts down. He's like, I'm not going to say anything anymore. And it just reinforced this negative cycle that they were in because he just didn't know at the time how to get out of it. And so I say that just to help you just illustrate this idea that she's always thinking about it. And knowing that can actually help you to provide the support and the comfort and help that she needs. And so having these conversations in a way where we touch on, so this is the, the, the three tools that I want to share with you. 
being able to implement these is how you can actually relieve the pain instead of her feeling stuck all the time and you feeling discouraged as a husband and you as a wife feeling like, okay, my pain's never getting addressed. So step number one is to identify the roots of what got in the way. So for this husband in particular, the root of it was two things. Number one, it was a shame. And number two, the fear that having this conversation was going to cause another fight. Those were the two biggest things. So I addressed it. I addressed that first part or the second one. We'll start there. It's a little shorter. It's for him. The willingness was there if he had a different way to do it. And so that solved that because she always got the sense from him that he never wanted to have these talks because the reality was he didn't have the talks with her. So of course she's going to take it to me and he doesn't want to, and we're not going to. So it was just a matter for him to be able to take a step towards having conversations with her. It was first acknowledging there is a willingness there. We just need new tools. The second thing was the shame that kept getting in the way. And so what that looks like for a husband is that whenever a wife brings up her pain and says, this happened, or I had this trigger, or this memory from the past came up, or just an expression of hurt or sadness, when that happens, it reminds the husband of the decision that he made that caused her such grief and pain. And so many men, when they remember or are reminded of the decision that they made that caused the person that they love the most such pain, they feel terrible about themselves. There's not only guilt there, but there's shame. Guilt and shame are very, very different. So this actually dovetails into the second thing. So after we understood that he just didn't know how to have these conversations in a productive way, then the shame was what was the block. The next thing that we focused on was helping him do shame work. So what does that mean? So if you're in a position as a husband where you feel a high degree of shame because of the decisions that you made, then there are a few things that you can do to resolve that. So shame, it's first to, in order to overcome this and work through it, it's necessary to understand the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is focused on the behavior, whereas shame is focused on yourself. So what that looks like is guilt is when you say, I made a bad decision. Shame is when the self-talk is, I am a bad person. Those are completely different categories or buckets that are really important to start to separate because so often people feel bad. They have this negative self-talk, which in that pain, it's like, it's almost like, this is a weird way of putting this, but it's almost like if you're in shame, it's as if you're stepping on this nail and the more you push into it, the worse it feels. So for a husband who experiences a high degree of shame, these conversations can be excruciating. And again, even as I talk about this, my purpose in sharing this isn't so that then he gets this like pass to not have these conversations or it's like, okay, we're going to feel bad. And so we, we, we feel bad. Therefore let's not talk about it. It's not, that's not what I'm saying. It's important though, to understand what's happening on the inside of a husband, because if you don't understand it, so many women misinterpret it. And they think to themselves, my husband doesn't care about me. He's not having these conversations. I'm all by myself. I don't matter to him. My pain doesn't matter. He couldn't care less. Therefore, they, they spiral even further. Understanding that one of the main 
drivers behind a husband wanting to avoid these conversations is shame, that there's a willingness to work through things with her, but there's so much shame that causes so much pain. That's a very, very different core problem. Therefore, understanding the core problem is critical because whatever the core problem is has a different set of tools and strategies to deal with it. Because if you're trying to solve this problem as my husband doesn't care, the, 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 the therapy or the approach or the coaching is going to look very, very different than my husband loves me deeply, but he has such a hard time because of the, his own fears and insecurity and shame that comes up. For the vast majority of men that I work with, it's shame. And so understanding that these conversations, when shame is there, it's as if he's stepping on a nail and continuing to do so causes more pain. The fight or flight reaction kicks in automatically. So this automatic response of pull away, again, that's the flight. If I'm in pain, my brain says, get away. And so the key again, is not to just not have the conversations. The key is to work through it in a way that it doesn't trigger the fight or flight response. That's where the shame work comes in. So what that looks like is understanding the difference between guilt and shame and helping a husband recognize that when he's feeling this sense of shame, then it means that he's taking this personally and that is misplaced. It's misdirected. The reality is that when you make a bad decision, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. If you make a decision that hurts your wife, that doesn't make you a horrible person. It doesn't make you worthless. It just means you made a decision that caused a lot of pain and the decision needs to be changed. The approach needs to be changed. You need to have a plan in place to make sure it doesn't keep happening. It's separate than your identity. It's separate than your worth because shame will tell you, you made this decision, you're bad, you're worthless, and that's when men will spiral. So the key to doing the shame work is to separate and de- I, I use this word, I don't know if it's a, like a real word, I don't know if it's like a legitimate, I don't know, the way that I describe this is I, I depersonalize it. Because when a husband personalizes the decision that he made, he's going to spiral. And that's the last thing that we need because a wife, when a, when a wife is in pain, she needs support. If a husband gets absorbed by his pain and spirals, now they're both alone. He's alone in his shame and she feels even worse because she's alone in her pain. So the key, one of the key things to doing shame work, again, there's a handful of different tools and strategies that can go under all of what I'm going to share with you. The thing that I want to highlight today is that when you separate yourself from your decisions and recognize that you're not a bad person, it doesn't mean that you're a horrible person because you made these decisions. It means that the decision, you made a bad decision and you can change your decisions. You can improve, you can make progress, you can develop new habits and plans. So once you make that separation and recognize it's not about you, it's about your approach and your decisions, now you can start to work differently. Because when you make a mistake and you can look at it objectively and think that didn't work, that caused pain, how do I do this differently to make sure it doesn't happen anymore? You will, it's it's infinitely easier to make different decisions and understand how to approach things differently than if you were to go to shame because shame does not promote growth. Shame triggers fight or flight. And when you're running from something, you're not understanding it. When you're avoiding something, you're not directly dealing with it so it doesn't happen anymore. You're just brushing it under the rug. 
So just to summarize all of that, the key is then to do shame work if that's what's getting in the way of these conversations. And a big part of how you can do that is separating how you see yourself from your decisions so you can start to work through, understand, and develop plans to make different decisions. The third thing that we focused on with this particular couple was to give him tools to know how to comfort her. He just didn't know what that looked like. And so typically when he described how he responded to her pain, he would go logical instead of emotional. And I feel like most people do this. And so the difference between the logical and emotional, when he went to the logical side, he would tell her, yeah, but I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, but it's been a long time. Or I, I know that you're hurting, but we've already talked about this. Whenever there's some kind of a response where there's defensiveness or this logical intellectual type of response, it's going to miss every single time. And so again, the key to remembering this, the key to recognizing or to having these conversations that are productive is recognizing that these are not conversations for the purpose of sharing new information. That's not the purpose of why she brings up her pain. She doesn't need another detail of how long it's been or a reminder of, I don't do this anymore. While I get why a husband does that, it just, that's not what she's looking for. So there's an emotional side of us, there's a logical side of us, and when we miss each other and one person's on emotional and the other person's on logical, this is the reason why things keep coming back up, because there's not resolution. If you're trying to problem solve something, the logical level is great, and that's a great way to be on it, because you're evaluating things objectively, looking at pros and cons, deciding what to do, you're talking through things on that level. There's a purpose, there's a, there's a place for that type of conversation. However, when you're working through an emotional challenge, when you're working through pain, that's all emotional. And so anytime somebody appeals to the logic, you're gonna miss. The pain will surface back up again. It will be discouraging for both people because this is the cycle, right? That's the negative cycle that we've talked about in previous episodes that keeps people stuck. An analogy that I can share that maybe illustrates this is if you imagine having a child and that child breaks their arm. And let's say they get it in, they get the, the arm in a cast. Then, you know, seven days later, the child comes to you and says, hey, my arm really, really hurts. The last thing that you would say as a parent is, yeah, I know. Like you already told me last week. You went to the hospital. We put the cast on. Doctor said you're good to go. And then the next day you said, you know, I'm still hurting. Now you're telling me seven days later. I already know that. You told me already. There's a total miss. Like that would never happen. And what would happen instead is, oh, honey, you're hurting? Okay, come over here. The doctor gave us some aspirin. Let me give this to you. Anything else you need? This will help you feel better in 20 minutes, right? You give them the aspirin. So the same thing is true when a wife is struggling with her pain. It's not an expression of information. And if a husband receives it like that, he's going to respond very differently. Rather, this is a request for help. When she's in pain, the antidote is the aspirin. And the aspirin in this case is to meet her on an emotional level where you can, number one, acknowledge her pain and validate what she's feeling and empathize with it. That's the aspirin. And so these are the tools that the husband did not understand because he went to the logical side and would get lost and then frustrated, then they would fight. So it made sense to me when he told me this is how things played out. It made sense to me why he didn't want to have these talks because they did end in a fight because that's what happens when you miss each other on that level. 
So instead, a part of what he learned to do is to verbalize how he felt when she shared, how he felt towards her more specifically. So when she turned to him and said, I'm really, really struggling right now. I had a dream last night and it reminded me of the past and I just woke up feeling so sad. I'm just hurt. I can't believe that we're here. Instead of him saying, uh, like, how many more of these are you going to have? Like, I thought we had a good string of days. Like, why are you bringing this up now? Or instead of responding on that level, he simply started to say, thank you for telling me. I'm so sorry that you're in pain. This really matters to me. How you feel matters. And it makes sense why you're hurting. Because, of course, if you think about how things have been in the past, it brings up this pain. And I feel for you. I want you to know that you're not alone. And I'm mindful of that. And I want to make sure that you know how much I care and that I want to do things differently. That is a completely different way to respond because it's validating, it's acknowledging her pain, it's empathizing with her and helping her know that the way that she feels is legitimate and it matters to you. The more that she knows that that her pain matters to you, the more that you guys are going to be able to work through this, again, significantly faster than if you keep getting stuck. And I get that this is not a race. However, most people don't wanna be in pain longer than than they have been. So if there's a way to get out of pain faster, let's go for that. I want, like That's my goal is to consolidate and condense this process down to as short as humanly possible while still being thorough and making sure your needs get met. And how you can streamline this is making sure you're addressing things in a way that helps you to find closure. And so as you think about your own situations, I want you to consider, I would encourage you to consider starting to walk through these three steps, identify what's getting in the way and having conversations together as a husband and wife or, you know, partners, if you're not married, having conversations together to understand where does it break down? Is it regarding shame? Is it not knowing what to say? Is it because the way that you guys talk about it is volatile? Is it because it doesn't feel like somebody's listening or you know whatever it is that's getting in the way, that is step number one. Second step is to address that and put things in place to resolve that core issue. In this particular episode today, we shared that shame was the core issue and then just him not knowing how to do it. So the antidote is shame work and then giving him tools to do it. And so step number three, I would encourage you as you guys are listening to have more of these conversations this doesn't mean you have to, every time you you know look at each other, you have to talk about all this stuff. However, I just feel like most people don't address it to the degree it would be helpful. And so if you're in that category where you're just kind of avoiding it or you know sweeping it under the rug or occasionally bringing this up, I would encourage you to try to have more of these conversations, have a few of these this week and do it in the way that we've outlined today where there's an expression of pain and ideally, the most effective, the couples who do the best as I've worked with them are the ones who are able to share their pain vulnerably. And then the husband can respond with compassion. And this is true. It goes both ways, right? And we're just focusing specifically on in this particular episode when, you know, pain is shared from the wife to the husband, the same tools and frameworks apply when it's the other way around. And there 100% is a place for those shares to take place as well. Uh, We're just, I guess, highlighting this particular side of it right now, but the same tools of compassion, understanding, validation, working through stuff together. That's how couples heal together. 
So I would encourage you to try to have these talks together and where the sharer, the sharer can express their pain vulnerably for the other person to respond with compassion, understanding, validation, and then notice how good it feels when you do that. It's, it's, this is again, one of the reasons why I, I hope that these episodes give, give hope and optimism to people. Because once you can connect on an emotional level, it doesn't take very long to get some stability. Because when you're addressing the core of the issue and you're feeling different as people, like it's such a cool thing to have one session with somebody, even the very first session to have them leave the office, or I guess I do it on Zoom now. So to have them leave the session feeling significantly better because we walk through this framework and we do it in session so they have a different experience together. It's like so encouraging for them to know we don't have to struggle with this forever. We can have some good moments, some good conversations. We can get our footing and actually start to make progress and feel like we're getting momentum. So when you guys are having these conversations together, notice how good it feels as you actually connect, understand each other, feel loved and seen. That will bond you together faster than just about anything else. And I'd love to see how this goes for you. If there are things that come up, I'd love to get some feedback from you in terms of what other episodes might be helpful. So if there's something that would be helpful in terms of uh, topics or questions that you have or blocks that you're hitting, please shoot me an email. You can reach me at sam at healingcouples.org. And I'd love to keep producing content that is relevant to each of your situations. I know there's so much overlap with a lot of the people that are listening. But if we can dive deeper into any little facet of this, I would love to do so just to make sure that this, you know, the content is as helpful as possible uh, for everybody who's listening. So I would encourage you to give this a shot this week. Notice what happens and then we can pick things up next week and go from there. Okay, I hope that was helpful. And for any of the men who are listening, I want to invite you to join if you're looking for some extra support and tools and help implementing these Uh, tools and strategies so you can fully overcome pornography so it doesn't have to follow you around anymore. Go ahead and go to uh, www.facebook.com slash groups slash tools to quit. And the link is going to be here in the uh, show notes as well. So I look forward to watching you guys make progress and really overcome this addiction, get this problem out of your life, restore your relationship. So you can actually move forward and leave all of this behind you in a way that there's actually closure.